0: A closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After Nine on ninety-three point one CFIS FM.
1: And if it's a Tuesday morning, it must be Alan Wishart in the host chair, and it is amazingly enough on a very, it's a very heavy and humid day. It feels like out there. Not supposed to be as hot today as it has been the last couple of days, which would be nice. But uh, we'll see. We will see. We are going to get started with today's show by going up in the air. Uh, We've actually got two guests to start with. Miles Randall is on the phone from Squamish, I believe, Miles? Yep. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. And Jesse Flagle is in the studio.
2: Hi. Good morning, everyone.
1: And both of them are with TEAM, which is, I think I've got this straight, Technical Evacuation Advanced Aeromedical. Am
3: I close? That's correct.
1: Yay! And so now, Miles, what exactly is TEAM?
3: Team Aeromedical is uh, an aeromedical rescue program. Um, it's actually based on models that we've seen elsewhere in the world that combine advanced life support or critical care medicine with the technical capability to rescue someone in a, in a remote setting. Um, so primarily we use uh, hoist and longline-equipped helicopters as well as 4x4s and fixed-wing aircraft to be able to access patients in remote settings that the BC Ambulance Service can't respond to, um, hoist the the patient back up into the aircraft and transport direct to a major hospital.
1: Wow. So do you sometimes work in conjunction with BC Ambulance, though, where if they can get to the site but they know they need a plane or something to get the guy out, would that be something that you guys would be involved with as well?
3: It's a, a little bit of the other way around, oh. where we, we always involve BC Ambulance in our, yeah. our rescues okay. um, as part of our agreement with them. Um, so we're legally allowed to respond to areas that BC Ambulance can't respond to, such as remote industrial sites or remote settings where rescue equipment is required. But as part of our, our agreement with BC Ambulance Service and with the Ambulance permits of BC, We'll always call an ambulance uh, at some point in that rescue, so that we have a you know a good sense of teamwork. Yeah.
1: So now, how do most of your calls come in? Like, do they come from nine one one with one of the emergency services that are uh, on nine one one getting in touch with you guys?
3: Our uh, our patrons call us direct. Um, so there's a, a direct emergency number or email address that people can contact us with. Mm-hmm. Um, you can contact us through. Uh, You know, a satellite-based device, like a SPOT or an inReach or a sat phone, and that goes to a a dispatch center that contacts us. Or, for the example of the Canadian Forces, they'll contact us directly through the Joint Rescue Coordination Center.
1: Wow. So now, how long has... Now, how do you pronounce it? T-A-M, I think is how you pronounce it?
3: We call it Team. Team. Okay.
1: How long have you guys been around?
3: Uh, We've been in existence since June of 2017. Wow. So, just over three years. Right.
1: And where did you get started? Like, where are you guys based out of? I think I said you were from Squamish, so I'm guessing that's where you guys are based out of.
3: Yeah, we're based out of, of the Squamish Airport, uh, and primarily because that's where all of the founding members were from, is the lower mainland, and primarily Squamish. Um, however, we've got staff that travel huge distances to, to work shifts for us. Mm-hmm.
1: So, what was the impetus? for getting team up and running?
3: In 2014, uh, Jordan, our vice president, and myself, uh, we responded to the cardiac arrest of our friend uh, of 20 years, our uh, search and rescue team leader, and our our paramedic station chief. He went into cardiac arrest in a a backcountry setting, Mm -hmm. and because of policy, we weren't allowed to get to To his side to be able to provide advanced life support care and we had to have him brought to us and unfortunately by the time he reached Mm us um, he wasn't salvageable anymore and, and unfortunately he passed away
1: so very much a
3: personal reason for getting this thing up and running
4: yeah about
3: three months after that we responded as search and rescue volunteers to a 24 year old female in cardiac arrest in the the back country, close to Squamish. And um, again, BC Ambulance couldn't respond to that that area, so we decided that uh, we were going to bring her to the nearest uh, BC Ambulance Air Ambulance resource, which was kind of breaking the rules. Mm. Um, And after four hours of, of resuscitation with CPR, we were able to get her to a specialty resource at a hospital, And she made a complete recovery after four hours of CPR. Wow. That left us kind of looking at things and realizing that, you know, in following the rules as they existed, we lost a a good friend and our our boss and mentor. Um, And in bending the rules, we were able to save a a young woman's life. And so we decided that we had to to fill that gap that was becoming more and more apparent in the provision of advanced life support care in remote Mm -hmm. settings.
1: So you got started then, and was it almost from day one you were working with BC Ambulance and other groups like that to make sure that you guys knew who was covering what?
3: No, it's been, it's been a bit of a journey, um, and we focused primarily on industry up until this point. Uh, tree planting, so the Western Forestry Contractors Association, um, Interior Logging Association, BC Truck Loggers Association. They've all been huge supporters, and much of our call volume has been in either the the tree planting or the forestry sector. And now, as of uh, the next couple of weeks, with our guiding program coming on board, we'll start to be responding to adventure sport uh, responses as well.
1: So you're based in Squamish. What area do you cover? Like, you basically cover just that area around Squamish?
3: No, we can cover a large range from the Team 1 Squamish base, mm-hmm. so our, our furthest ranging missions have been to Williams Lake or to an island about 30 minutes flight north of Campbell River, okay. but we can currently be in Prince George on a tank of gas in two hours.
1: But you guys, the decision was made, I guess, to possibly look at getting the second base up and running in Prince George?
3: Yeah, we've always had a five-base plan to cover... The bulk of the province, and Prince George was always our team to focus mm-hmm. uh, because of the massive need. Uh, Jesse, who's the the Prince George base manager, and I have been uh, friends and colleagues for well, longer than we should probably admit, and um, <laughs> we've uh, we've always known that the gaps are massive in Prince George. I used to, to live there as a kid and, and worked up that way as well. And Jesse has always been, you know, pushing for us to to get up and running in the uh, the Prince George area as soon
2: as we can. And
1: so now is the time. So, Jesse, how long have you been involved in things like search and rescue and ambulance?
2: Well, I've got uh, 17 years in the ambulance service. Uh, 13 of those is advanced life so support. Um, being a busy guy and a dad, I've never actually... Uh, Done the like the search and rescue route. However, when I was at university, I did take uh, adventure tourism and guiding as kind of my uh, my major. Um, I'm a very avid backcountry user. It's where I spend all my time. Um, When I travel, I'm lucky. I I travel with like obviously an advanced medical kit. Having seen and dealt with lots of hunters and hikers and stuff that don't have the training and the equipment that I've done or I have. it's kind of pointed out how big of a need there is for something to provide them coverage here in the north,
1: and there's also an awful lot of backcountry to cover.
2: Huge <laughs> amount of backcountry, yeah. It's miles and miles and miles.
1: So, what is um, the phone service like in this area? Because Miles was saying, you know, a lot of the calls come from sat phones and stuff like that. Is there enough coverage up in this area that so can be
2: covered? Because it's uh, we use a satellite based. Like service, mm-hmm. um, I have an in reach. I, I have a spot. I have a sat phone. Um, I've never had any issues. Believe it or not, here in the north, uh, utilizing mm-hmm. devices, and the further north you get, and the more remote it seems, the better it works. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've never had issues um, at all. Uh, you know, cell phones different, but that's not the system that we're yeah. we're using, so it doesn't really matter to us. Okay, so
1: from what it sounds like from what miles was saying you've been pestering him for a while about getting up here
2: yeah <laughs> um miles and i used to work together in north vancouver before i transferred up here 10 years ago and um i just like the search and rescue thing that miles was involved in it was always something i kind of envied and, and wanted to follow i just didn't have the time my career path was a little different down south uh, and then when i came up here life's a little bit more relaxed but <laughs> um again I saw what they were doing down here, and and that's what I wanted to do up here. Yeah, yeah. Now
1: so Miles was saying they've actually been up this way a couple of times. Yeah, saying they could get here on, on a tank yeah. a of gas. Have you had the chance to work with them at all? When no, you, I you haven't. Uh,
2: okay. Their far, call this north was Williams Lake, and okay. uh, when I'm working on the ambulance service, where we cover a vast range, is you know the unit that I work on, but we would never go as far south as is Williams Lake. No. Yeah.
1: So, Miles, what's what's needed to get started in Prince George? It sounds like there's a fair bit of equipment that's going to be needed.
3: Yeah, we were up there last week um, to do info sessions for recruiting and, and for uh, the public in, in general, um, and we're really happy with the response we got. There's a, there's a thirst and a, and a need for our program in the North, and particularly Prince George. Um, we need people, which is uh, key to our, our program's successes. we have to base ourselves in places where we do have the advanced life support or critical care medical um, resources. Right. We also need a certain amount of uh, equipment base to be able to uh, establish a base. And, and we're currently fundraising for $300,000 worth of equipment to be able to establish the Team 2 base in Prince George. Wow.
1: And so that base would be based out of the airport, I assume. Yep.
3: Yeah. yeah, we're in uh, discussions with Yellowhead Helicopters to be able to, to use their aircraft um, to be able to respond from the Prince George Airport.
1: Ah, okay, so you guys aren't actually looking to be needing any mobile equipment essentially. You don't need. You're hoping you don't need a helicopter or anything. All you're going to need is the, the equipment that goes in the helicopter, basically. Absolutely. So. Is there any sort of a timeline you guys are looking at in terms of when you'd like to be up and running? I mean, tomorrow is obviously the best answer, but
3: uh, (laughs) not very realistic. No, I mean, tomorrow would be great. Um, That would definitely make Jesse and and, uh, all the folks up there happy, um, myself included. But um, we need 60 days from realization of funding to be able to equip and train our our, personnel, personnel, and you know properly equip the aircraft. Mm-hmm. So as soon as we're able to achieve some of those funding goals, we're going to start purchasing equipment. And um, and again, it's the second that we have everything that we need to get started. We're, we'll be sixty days from from our initial launch. Wow! And then is
1: your thinking at this point keep the one telephone number basically? And then your dispatch person would determine which of the teams would get it? Yes. Okay. And then if it's in the Williams Lake or a little bit further south area, the two teams can fight over it.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know in, a, in an arm wrestling match, it's not Jesse that's going to win. So uh. <laughs> I, I'm not getting involved. I'm not getting involved. But, yeah, well, uh, our air ops coordinators are, are all um, active Paramedics with with ambulance dispatch um, experience, mm-hmm. and so we'll be able to look at the location, the geographical uh, issues re- required with accessing it, and decide which base has got the quickest run at it.
2: Yeah. So
1: if you so you're not just going to be dividing the province, say at Williams Lake, and saying south of Williams Lake it'll still be coming out of Squamish, north of Williams Lake it'll be Prince George.
3: That's how it starts, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's, there's weather issues that we have mm-hmm. to, to always work around. So there may be um, a storm or a, you know, a, um, a cloud, cloud bank in the way approaching from Squamish, and Prince George might be the better run, or vice versa.
4: Okay.
1: Now, if people want more information about TEAM in general, or they want to know how to get involved, where can they get the information
3: best way to track us down is online at www.teaam.ca. Mm-hmm. Or you can email our admin line at admin, A-D-M-I-N, at teaa ca.
1: Okay. So, again, if they, if they want more information about we'll how to get involved in this, that's the best way to do it. Um, Miles Randall, thank you very much for calling in today. Thank you. Okay. And Jesse, thank you very much for dropping by and chatting.
2: You're welcome. Thanks for having us.
1: Okay. We are going to go to a quick break, and we'll come back with more after 9.
5: Thousands of years ago, a story began. I
4: am. I am. A story
5: that will never end, because this is the story of God's love for us.
0: He has risen. He is alive.
5: Welcome to the Lamplighter Classic Audio Series, You Are There. Now you can enjoy this Lamplighter Classic, You Are There, together as a family.
6: Lamplighter Theater, Sunday nights at 8 here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. The Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity, and Recreation Council has
1: compiled a Return to Activity Guide. The guidelines are based on recommendations by provincial and municipal health authorities as well as provincial sport and recreation organizations iSpark continues to monitor the COVID 19 situation and will adopt the guidelines as required. For the latest version of the iSpark Return to Activity Guidelines, visit iSpark.ca. That's i s p a r c.ca. The Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity and Recreation
6: Council. Move, play, compete. People with mobility challenges now have improved access in Prince George thanks to 10 recently installed curb drops at popular city parks and public spaces. Five of these new amenities have been installed in Claytonet Memorial Park, three along Taylor Drive including at the cemetery entrance, and two on 17th Avenue. Crews have also installed four at the Canada Games Plaza and one in Rainbow Park along Stewart Drive. For more information about accessibility in Prince George visit the city's website PrinceGeorge.ca Forecast from Environment Canada
1: Increasing cloudiness today Wind from the southwest at 30 gusting to 50 this afternoon With a 60% chance of showers and a risk of thunderstorms A high of 23 Clearing tonight on a low of 9 For Wednesday mainly sunny A high of 24 with a high UV index
0: This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station 93.1 FM
1: And Throughout the entire COVID-19 thing, there have been a lot of different local groups who have been doing a lot to help other smaller local groups get funds for what they might need. And one of those larger groups is the Prince George Community Foundation. And I've got Mindy, I think it's, is it Mindy Street on the line? Strode. Strode. The thing is, of course, I've talked to you before, so I should have known that. That's okay. How are you doing? Not too bad, and yourself? I'm good, I'm good. Good. So, um, first off, I guess, for people who may not know, what is the Prince George Community Foundation, and do you guys ever get confused with Prince George Community Futures?
7: (laughs) Um, You know, a few few times we do. Um, So the Community Foundation is, is... for the entire community, we have a number of endowment funds um, where we take the interest earned and invest it, um, and or sorry, we take the endowment and invest it, and then the interest earned we grant back into the community. Um,
1: okay. Oh. Sorry, were you were you finished there? I think I lost no, you for a second. No, okay.
7: sorry. Yeah. Um, so we grant twice annually, um, and we grant to arts and culture, social services, health, education, the environment, um, you know, and do a couple of other projects a year as well.
1: Okay, now, with the funds that you've got and the different areas that you are funding, do you have sort of a set formula each year, or does it vary from year to year? sort of what proportion goes to which of the areas?
7: Yes, it depends on what applications we receive and what funds we have available. So we have a number of funds that are designated specifically for, um, I mean, for example, for education. Mm -hmm. So we look at those, the applications that come in that are education based and how many, how much dollars we have in those funds that we can give out.
1: Now, are there any. Are there any sort of guidelines on who is available to apply for funding from the Prince George Community Foundation?
7: Yes. So you have to be a qualified donee, so a registered charity, um, to apply. With that being said, a nonprofit can partner with a registered charity, um, and we can walk you through that process if you are a nonprofit thinking about um, applying for funds. And our fall grant cycle opens on September 1st with a deadline of October 15th.
1: So how many cycles do you have each year then?
7: We have two, one in the spring and one in the fall.
1: See, that was going to be my guess when you said the fall cycle. My guess when you said there were two was the other one's going to be a spring cycle, I'll bet.
7: That's right. (laughs) That's right.
1: And if somebody applies for funding, let's say somebody had applied in the spring and for whatever reason – maybe the application wasn't as full as it needed to be, or maybe you guys were just oversubscribed, do they have to reapply in the fall, or can they just ask that their application be carried over?
7: Um, yeah, it's really on a case-by-case basis, depending mm-hmm. on what situation um, the applicant is in. We look at it, and we will work with that applicant to let them know if they have to resubmit or if their application's just being held over to the next funding cycle.
1: And are there limits um, as to how often a particular group can get funding from Prince George Community Foundation?
7: So applicants are able to apply for the same project twice in a five-year period. So that doesn't mean that an applicant can't apply Every single year. It just needs to be for something different.
1: Okay. So a single group, a single applicant could have two or three different um, grants from Prince George Community Foundation that they're working on if they've got that many different projects on the go. That's right. How often does that happen? Or do most of the groups that you're dealing with focus on one specific project until it's finished?
7: Yeah, typically we only get one applicant, um, one application from each applicant. I mean, occasionally um, from some of the larger organizations, we'll get two mm-hmm. applications.
1: Are, are there times where they've applied, they've gotten the uh, the grant for a particular project? They're getting near the end of that project. Are they allowed to sort of? Pre-apply if they know they've got another project they're going to be starting up almost right away.
7: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. As long as it, so I mean, it, as long as it fits within our funding cycle, they can regularly apply. Okay,
1: and is yeah. there any time limit on when the projects have to be finished?
7: Yes, eighteen months oh. um, from the date of approval.
1: Okay, so okay, I'm just trying to figure this out. Then, so they can apply for the same project twice in a five-year period, but the project has to be finished within 18 months of of getting the funding? That's right. Okay. So we
4: find that a lot of our
7: projects are done within, I mean, I'd say six months, six months mm-hmm. to a year, um, and the 18 months just allows the, in case there's any delays or um, for applicants to be able to submit their final report and whatnot.
1: Okay. So the two applications within five years then is not specifically... For the same project, like say building uh, a, play, a, um, a clubhouse or something for a group, but it would be the first one might be building the clubhouse. The second one would be, okay, we've got something that we ad- want to add on to the clubhouse. So is that considered the same project?
7: Yeah, it depends on. That's tricky. It depends on how it's worded. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like an example, would be if somebody is applying for, um, oh, um, a piece of equipment for, I don't know, for their facility, right? And they've, I'm trying to keep it generic, up. Yeah. and so they've they've received the funding for this piece of equipment. Um, and then they put in another application for another piece of equipment that's going to be in the same room. Like that would be considered two separate projects.
1: Okay. But if they applied for the first piece of equipment, and then for whatever reason maybe it broke down or it wore out a lot faster and they were figuring if they applied for more funding, that would probably be considered the same project because it's basically the same piece of equipment. I think so, yeah. Okay. Again, sorry, I hate to throw all these hypotheticals at you, but um, so what approximately is the smallest group that you guys have dealt with? I'm not looking specifically for a name, but do you do a lot of the work with smaller groups or is a lot of it with the larger uh, registered charities in town?
7: Um, we really have a wide range of size of organizations that we support. Um, we really try to reach as many people as possible to know that we exist and that there is an opportunity. Um, I think the smallest grant that we've given out was five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and now applicants can apply for up to $10,000 for their project. Wow.
1: Okay, Mindy, we've got to take a break. I want you to stick around, though. I need to talk some more to you about the Prince George Community Foundation after 9. Sounds great. Getting reliable
6: health information about the COVID-19 outbreak can be a lifesaver. In times of crisis, it is essential to guarantee freedom of expression and the right to public information, in particular to counter the spread of disinformation. During the COVID-19 outbreak, only trust official information sources and credible media outlets do not share unverified information. This is a message from UNESCO.
0: The Two Rivers Gallery
1: gift shop is once again open to the public, but with some changes. Located in the Canada Games Plaza, the gift shop will be open weekdays between 11 and 5, with the first hour each day designated for those most at risk of COVID-19. New protocols have been put in place, including occupancy limits to support physical distancing. The Two Rivers Gallery Gift Shop, now open weekdays from 11 to 5. For more information on planning your next visit to the gift shop, go to TwoRiversGallery.ca.
0: With increased traffic at City Transfer Stations and the Foothills Landfill, the Regional District of Fraser-Fort George asks that you eliminate all unnecessary trips to the landfill and transfer stations, wait before returning items which do not need to be disposed of immediately, and maximize the use of curbside collection for waste and recyclables where available. When using the landfills and transfer stations, please follow social distancing protocols and stay at least 6 feet away from others. More information is available on the Regional District's website r d
6: The federal government has made temporary policy changes to help international students and Canada's post-secondary learning institutions. New measures include providing priority study permit processing for students who have applied online, allowing students to count time spent studying online abroad toward eligibility for a post-graduation work permit, and by implementing a temporary two-stage approval process. Full details are available at post-secondary institutions and through the Immigration News link at Canada.ca.
0: You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93one F I S F N. So, Mindy, with the
1: projects that Prince George Community Foundation funds, do you have sort of separate categories for equipment and possibly for training and stuff like that, or are both of, are those both acceptable?
7: Um, yep, so they're both acceptable. And what we would encourage is we have a full list on our website mm-hmm. of the grant guidelines, um, and it goes through exactly what is an eligible expense and what is not. Um, we've also put on the criteria on there that our adjudication committee follows um, when they review the application.
1: Okay. Now, I think I already know the answer to this one. We're going to ask, anyways. I'm thinking most of the time you guys are oversubscribed in terms of applications for the amount of funding.
7: Yeah, um, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. So, my. Um, recommendation would be if you are thinking about applying, let us know. Um, if you have questions, ask them so that you can get um, the best application in as possible.
1: Okay, now, did you guys, you were saying you normally got the two funding periods, did you guys do anything different with COVID 19 with so many um, nonprofit groups and registered charities needing extra help because all of a sudden some of their fundraising disappeared?
7: Yeah, absolutely. So, right away in March, the foundation gave $60,000 out. Um, so, we gave $25,000 to St. Vincent de Paul's Food Bank, $25,000 to Salvation Army's Food Bank, and then $10,000 to United Way's COVID response fund um, to help them be able to leverage additional dollars for that. Um and then we've also, so we um as a foundation, hosted our stay at home gala in May, um where we had an evening of entertainment and guest speakers, um, and we had options for people to order dinner from a local restaurant, and all the proceeds from that event went into our emergency response fund, and we will just be announcing this week the successful applicants for that process, Ah. Um, but I can tell you that it will be over $50,000 that we'll be giving out as well. Um, which is incredible and is a really, um, speaks a lot to the um, participation by the community to get behind this event and support those nonprofits and charities and the work that they're doing in our community. Um, and then, thirdly, we were part of the um, Government of Canada's Emergency Community Support Fund. Uh-huh. So we distributed just under $300,000 for Prince George and Northern Communities for COVID relief. Wow.
1: And so now the applications for that fund, did they go through another group and then to you guys or were they coming directly to you?
7: No, they came directly to us. Um, and we had local adjudication comi- mm-hmm. committees in all of the different communities, and then a overarching one in Prince George um, that reviewed all of the applications.
1: So now, generally speaking, maybe not for the COVID-19 thing, because that's sort of a very special circumstance. Generally speaking, what area does the Prince George Community Foundation cover?
7: So we cover Prince George and the regional district. Um, we also have a number of regional partners that are within the foundation, um, and they have all of their own local boards, um, but we provide support for them.
4: Okay,
1: so are you you were talking about you had the stay at home gala, and uh, do you guys do um, any fundraising events during the year normally?
7: Yeah, so typically we do do um, two. We have our Farwick Golf Tournament, Mm. which is the Labor Day weekend. Um, And then we also have the Citizen of the Year Gala. And that is typically in October. um, And we are unsure the status of it right now, but we're hoping within a couple of weeks we will know if it's proceeding, how it's proceeding, or what we're doing this year.
1: Yeah. So now as far as you know at this point will you still be taking nominations for citizen of the year
7: so we did take nominations for citizen of the year in may Mm -hmm. um and our adjudication committee has those applicants right now um we're just going through with our board and the provincial health authority about what is possible Mm -hmm.
1: And now as well on that, and the golf tournament, you said the Labor Day long weekend, which is what, about three weeks away, is it going to be happening or are you look, still looking at ways you might be able to make it work?
7: Yeah, so we have, it's still going ahead. It'll be a lot smaller this mm-hmm. year. Um, the club is making sure that they're following all provincial health authority orders, and um, but it it definitely won't be the same tournament as it has been in the past.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, which club do you guys normally hold that one at?
7: Uh, the Golf and Curling Club. Right.
1: And now, have you, have you still got openings for individuals or teams in that?
7: I'm not sure. Okay. Um, all the registration is done by the golf course ah. for the tournament. So if people are interested in participating, they should call the clubhouse.
1: Okay. Knowing that. It's not going to be, if they've golfed in previous years, no, not going to be the same.
7: No, no.
1: <laughs> now, how did you guys handle working, especially at the beginning of the COVID pandemic and basically the lockdown? Did you have anybody in the office or was everybody working from home at that point?
7: No, everybody is working from home. Oh. We're, still, we're still working from home. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our bookkeeper goes in once every couple of weeks. Um, but otherwise we're trying to still stay at home.
1: And I'm guessing for, for a group like the Community Foundation, that's probably not as big a change as it would be for a lot of other organizations, because I'm thinking you guys are probably fairly streamlined in terms of how many people are in the office to start
5: with.
7: Yeah, typically we're appointment uh I mean, we do have a little bit of flow-through traffic, but mostly it's people who come in for appointments. Um, And we just are really looking at our safety plan and the health of the staff um, before we go back to make sure that we're following all the socially distancing and cleaning requirements.
1: Okay. Now, Mindy, if people want more information about PG Community Foundation, how to donate Um, how to get an application and fill it out. How do they go about finding out the information?
7: Yeah, so they can go to our website at www.pgcf.ca. Alternatively, they can also follow us. We're on Facebook at PG Community Foundation um, is our page. And we're also on Instagram and LinkedIn. Wow.
1: So you're with all of the uh, new technology.
7: Yes. Yeah, we're trying. So.
1: <laughs> okay. And the, I guess the biggest date that people need to remember, when did you say the opening was for the fall intake of applications? September 1st. Start September 1st, ends October the 15th.
4: That's correct.
1: Okay. Mindy Strode with the Prince George Community Foundation. Thank you very much for call, for uh, talking to us this morning and bringing us up to date on what's happening.
7: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Okay. Take take another quick break and be back with more after nine. The B.C. Schizophrenia Society is holding their annual general meeting online this year on Saturday, September 26th. The EGM will be followed by a presentation by Dr. Diane McIntosh on the topic of COVID-19 and schizophrenia. To register or for more information, visit bcss.org. The BC Schizophrenia Society's AGM and Education Series presentation, COVID-19 and Schizophrenia, with guest speaker Dr. Diane McIntosh, Saturday, September 26th, from 1 to 3, online through bcss.org.
6: The 22nd Annual Life Sciences BC Awards are on Thursday, September 17th, online. Supported by Ferris, the awards celebrate BC's many achievements, small wins, and big victories, and recognize and honor those who have invested their lives' work in mastering successful health outcomes. The event is free for members, $25 for non-members. To register or for more information, visit lifesciencesbc.ca. The 22nd Annual Life Sciences BC Awards, online from 2 to 3.30, Thursday, September 17th.
5: Creativity camps are on at Two Rivers Gallery. Children aged 6 to 13 will love these week-long camps featuring everything from nature art and futuristic fun to superheroes and the art of imagineering. Camps run through September 4th with each limited to 10 participants with health and safety guidelines in place to protect children. For more information and registration, visit tworiversgallery.ca summer creativity camps through september 4th at two rivers gallery where creativity flows at two rivers Ca.
1: forecast from environment canada increasing cloudiness today wind from the southwest at 30 gusting to 50 this afternoon with a 60 percent chance of showers and a risk of thunderstorms a high of 23 clearing tonight on a low of nine for wednesday mainly sunny a high of 24 with a high uv index
0: Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is after nine on ninety three point one CFIS FM.
1: And on the phone now with somebody who's been up to Prince George a couple of times. But I'm thinking this time is has <laughs> happened so often, going to be a slightly different experience for Mandy Patchen and the rest of the people with Glass House experience. Good morning, Mandy. Good morning, Alan. Thanks for having me on CFIS. Not a problem. Now. Am I correct? You guys have been up this way before.
4: Yes, we have. This is our third annual glassblowing uh, trip, but I do have family from Prince George, so I've been there many times.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, glass blowing is not something people think of as being really a uh, thing that can hit, hit the road, but you guys have managed to figure out how to do it.
4: Yes, uh, we're the only mobile studio in Canada. So we're located on a 26-foot moving truck. So if you imagine, you know, a moving truck's closed in, but we've transformed the sidewall to come down into a 16-foot stage, and we have an awning, and we have all the glass blowing equipment uh, in within the truck. So, yeah, it's, uh, been, a, it's been a ride, <laughs> for sure, having a mobile studio, but it's something we wanted to be able to travel around and share with people who wouldn't generally get to try that sort of thing.
1: Now, the first time you came up to Prince George then was two years ago. What was the response? Like, were you possibly surprised by how much interest there was in Prince George?
4: Actually, yes. I was uh, very surprised at how quickly the classes um, filled up. It seems as though you guys are quite artistic out, out <laughs> uh, up there, I should say. <laughs> now, I how many
1: trips do you think where are you based out of i can't remember if you said where you're actually based out of like besides the the trailer but where is your home base our home base is calgary okay so how many trips a year do you guys make and where
4: uh we travel all over western canada and we generally get about three trips in a year otherwise we're just Uh, stay in calgary Mm kind of depends on how often we're hired or how often we go there on our own accord kind of thing but yeah we've been to vancouver and saskatchewan and like fox creek and all over edmonton yeah all over western canada wow
1: so do you do when you when you're on the road do you try to do it like a tour like when you're in prince george do you have another place you're going to be stopping after that
4: no, we're just heading up there. We have a place to park the truck at my parents' property, and um, we we're just going to go up there for a couple weeks, teach some classes, and then we'll be back home doing stuff in Calgary. Now, it just occurred to me, I don't think we, I've
1: ever actually given the name of the uh, business, if you will, Glasshouse Experience, but no Eon experience. Correct, yeah. Now, how did you come up with that name?
4: Uh, I don't know. I guess huh. just because it's an experience. Okay. <laughs> we used to be Glasshouse Collective, and then uh, about three years ago, we changed it to Glasshouse Experience. Just, we figured that was more more setting.
1: Yeah. So now, is it, I'm guessing it's not just you because you keep saying
4: we. Yeah, yeah. I've got a staff of uh, both. there's about five or six of us that work throughout the year doing different things within Glasshouse. Um, all of my glassblowers have a degree in glassblowing, if you can imagine, you can actually get that. (laughs) Um, so we're all, you know, all professional artists and with the classes we really, we teach one-on-one, so it's very hands-on and intimate and we can teach two students at once. So if you have a larger group, that's fine, we just cycle through you, but Mm -hmm. if you're coming with, say, you and your husband for a hot date or your wife or whatever... Mm -hmm. For a hot date, um, then it can be just the two of you and it can be more intimate.
1: And when you're talking glass blowing, it's very definitely a hot date.
4: Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly.
4: <laughs> yeah. And then we have other things that we do as well. So we do memorial glass. So if you've lost mm-hmm. a loved one or pet, we can add the ashes into the glass and uh, swirl it with the colors of your choice into the different uh, items we make. Now, what
1: what levels of class do you offer? Because this is your third trip to Prince George and I'm thinking there may be some people who have been the first two years so they're already starting to get a handle on the whole thing. Do you have a course that's sort of more adapted for them?
4: Yeah, we've got a two-hour class so that gives them a little more time in the studio to try some different things or come with ideas because we definitely have people that have come back and I'm like, okay, well just tell me what you want to try to make. Mm-hmm. We've You know, we will try anything.
1: So you're coming up to Prince George. Actually, when are you coming up to Prince George?
4: We will be there uh, offering classes September 4th to the 13th, but I will be up uh, in about a week. Wow. Yeah.
1: Okay. And so the classes are offered out of your mobile studio, basically. Do you ever use it for things like just... Oh, I hate to use the word entertainment but do you ever use it for just demonstrations
4: yes most certainly so that's sometimes when we're hired we're hired for a festival to entertain like we've been at the Stampede, or we've been to multiple festivals in no. Edmonton and Vancouver and then other times we're hired maybe by a school to educate and teach about the science behind glass
1: so now when you're doing that um, I'm guessing it partly depends on whether it's like a school or like a carnival or something do you have sort of different um, teaching things that you do in terms of, you know, I'm thinking some of it's probably entertainment and some of it gets a little bit more hardcore technical?
4: Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. we have a array of different um, techniques and things that we do when we're teaching and it sort of just depends, is it for fun or is it educational? We'll talk more about the science behind the glass with schools and things like that, depending on the age range, of course, too.
1: And if you're doing it for more of an entertainment thing, do you have any sort of really flashy things that you guys like to do as you're demonstrating?
4: I would say wavy bowls are really fun because at the end, you kind of spin them out when they're really, really hot. Mm -hmm. And then when you hold them down, gravity kind of pulls it and waves the bowl. (laughs) So that's a wow factor for most people. But I've been trying to get into more... I've actually been doing a lot of vegetables. So just doing some really cool things with vegetables. Um, making what's called marinis. So it's like making glass look like a vegetable and then rolling it up. It's, it's hard to imagine, but... <laughs> <laughs>
1: now, for people who are interested in this, now obviously if they're just a beginner level, that's the instruction they'll be getting. If they've had some experience... Do you like to get in touch with them and find out sort of is there anything specific they're interested
4: in doing? With the two-hour class, we often suggest if there's something that you're interested in doing, you know, bring pictures, mm-hmm. bring your imagination, and we are always open to trying stuff. Now, glass is hard. Mm-hmm. I will not lie. <laughs> um, so we can't do everything, but we can't. We always will try. Yeah.
1: Okay, we need to take a quick break, Mandy. But when we come back, we'll <laughs> talk some more to you about uh, glass blowing afternoon.
5: The new circulation area at the Prince George Public Library is now open. Physical distancing protocols are in place with a limit of 20 visitors at a time. Services are also currently limited to borrowing and dropping off library materials, and access is only available through the Civic Centre Rotunda. Be sure to check out the library's weekly programs, available online at pgpl.ca. That's your public library, now open for limited service from 10 to 6, Monday through Saturday in the Canada Games. Plaza.
0: The perspectives of Canadians matter. Help us shed light on discrimination. Take five minutes to participate in Statistics Canada's Experiences of Discrimination Crowdsource Survey. Visit www.statcan.gc.ca and click the Participate Now button. The results will benefit people and communities across Canada. The
1: Canadian Centre for Occupational Health and Safety has some tips for people operating a restaurant during the current pandemic. Among the suggestions, promote home delivery, pre ordering, or curbside pickup, use signs and markings to control the flow of people in the restaurant, limit the number of customers allowed in at one time, and provide a waiting area outside with markers designated safe physical distancing, and remove large condiment containers from tables, replacing them with single use items. For more tips on pandemic related health and safety, go to ccohs.ca.
6: As part of the city's budget, council has approved important service enhancements aimed at increasing community health, well-being, and safety, particularly in the downtown. Six areas are being enhanced. Police services, bylaw services, contracted security, funding for homeless service hubs, improved parkade lighting, security and cleaning, and additional staff and equipment in public works. More information on the city's service enhancements to improve health and safety for all is available through the news link at PrinceGeorge.ca. It's
0: After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM.
1: So Mandy, you were saying that some of the glass-blowing classes that you're going to be offering are one-on-one, very very much the one-on-one. Are you guys still allowed to do that under COVID?
4: Yeah, so obviously COVID has affected all of us in our lives. So uh, all we are doing is you know, we got the hand sanitizer, mm-hmm. making sure nobody's sick before they, or have been around anyone sick before they enter. Um, we're sanitizing down all the tools in between people, and our everyone that comes on has to wear a mask, and then we wear a face shield so that we can still, we have a noodle that attaches to the end of the pipe so that we can blow while you're shaping the glass with the tools.
1: Okay, because I remember I have seen, like, I think I've seen demonstrations at schools of glass blowing. And there will be times where the student is blowing the glass, but they're not really getting it right, so the instructor will just take the tube and blow into it themselves. That, obviously, is not going to be happening.
4: Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we do say it's a glass blowing class, but blowing the glass is actually not really the fun part. It's right. the tooling and picking up the color and all that kind of stuff, so... Yeah, we just got to make sure everything's sanitized and clean in between, and yeah, keep it safe that way.
1: So now, for beginning people in glass blowing, they finish that first class, they get their first piece. What's the normal reaction when they're suddenly realizing I did this?
4: I think that for people to see molten glass and shaping it is kind of like a, a wow factor for them. So they're like, oh my god, Like I made this and that's super cool and what else can I do next is always kind of the, the next question usually that we get. Yeah.
1: So how often do you get somebody who comes to, who say came to the class of Prince George two years ago, did the one hour session or whatever, and as soon as you guys were finished, we're saying, okay, when are you guys coming back next year?
4: We actually re- we experienced that the first year we were here, but then last year we started making a list. So uh, Pre-coming pre out, I wanted to make sure that there was still a lot of interest. So it was the good thing is having that list of, I think we had about 30 or 40 people who were like, put me on the list. I want to be the first to know. <laughs> so it was good to be able to actually like call in advance and make sure that everyone still had some interest.
1: So I'm thinking a lot of those people are probably maybe not like totally advanced, but they've got some experience. So those classes probably filled up fairly quickly then.
4: Yeah, the two-hour classes are almost sold out, but then I was uh, talking with my colleagues, and uh, and we're thinking of adding another. Usually, we only do the one session of two hours a day, but I think we're going to add a couple more in just because it seems to be popular.
1: (laughs) And then there still will be a couple of the one-hour sessions for people who are just getting started.
4: Yeah, well, it's about 40 minutes.
1: Okay.
4: Yeah. Um, And then we have kids' classes. Kids can also do the taste for glass, but if you have maybe a 9 to 11 year old that wants to try mm-hmm. it sort of for the first time, we have about a 20 minute class for them.
1: So, now is there anything people need to know when they come out to do glass blowing, probably for the first time? Like, are there any physical conditions that could cause problems?
4: Um, if you don't like heat, then mm-hmm. it might not be the best for you. Um, but otherwise, like you can come if you're pregnant so That's an often asked question. Um, we just want to make sure that everybody's safe. So, you know, safety glasses, mm-hmm. now the face masks, and then, um, wearing, we, we get you to, the best thing to do is because if it's a hot day, you don't want to wear long sleeves. So just take a pair of long socks and cut the bottom out and then you can wear it as a sleeve. Uh-huh. And then that way you're not you're not overheating in a long sleeve shirt if it's 20 degrees out.
1: So now in the beginner class, the 40 minute class, how much of that is sort of instruction and how much is glass blowing just so people have an idea if they're going to if they're interested in that.
4: For sure, I would say about 10 minutes is kind of going over safety and kind of the starting instruction, and then we instruct throughout. The other 30 minutes is actually making a drinking glass is probably the most popular to make, but you can also make some paperweights or ornaments.
1: So you're, you, for that class, obviously, then you try to keep it fairly simple in terms of what they're making. Exactly, yeah.
4: The two-hour class, we can explore things a little more and, and discuss different ways of opening a vessel or making a certain shape of vessel.
1: When, when you've got somebody who's interested in the two-hour course, and there's somebody who you know has been to the courses before, and so you know that they've got a pretty good idea of what's going have you ever had any of them sort of send you like a sketch or like a computer drawing of what they're interested in doing, so you guys can get an idea?
4: Generally, we mostly get pictures. So oh. somebody will see something, you know, online that looks cool, and they want to try and make that piece.
1: Okay, so now... What? When during the day do the classes run? Do you basically run all day? So
4: we're um, offering the classes on the 4th, which is the Friday, mm-hmm. through to the Monday because it's a long weekend. Right. And then during the week, we're doing production stuff. And then we're back Friday through Sunday, and then we're done. So we offer them from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m.
7: Okay.
1: So there's a there's a fair bit of leeway there in terms of when people can get in. Yeah, exactly. And now just I don't need precision here, but just so people know, are you out of town? Like how long should people figure they might have to be driving to get to where you're at?
4: I think it, um, well, I know I can get to my grandpa's in like 20 minutes from NUCO. Mm-hmm. So I guess it depends where in yeah. Prince George you are, mm-hmm. but I think it's about a 20 to 30 minute drive out to NUCO Lake. Okay. So people should take
1: that into account. But again, that's something you'll be talking to them about when they register for the class as well anyway. Yeah. so
4: exactly. Yeah.
1: So now, now that we've mentioned that, how do people go about registering for classes with the Glass House
4: Experience? So we try to make everything fairly simple. Uh, You can just go right onto our website, and under the Classes tab, you can look at the different types of classes, and then you can also purchase right online. Mm -hmm. And when doing so, you can kind of choose, do you want a morning or an afternoon? And it's first come, first serve, so we try to fit you in as per your request, if possible. What is the website? It is G for glass, H for house. Mm -hmm. And then experience starting with the X.com.
1: Okay, nice, straightforward, simple. And that's also, I'm guessing, where people can just get any more information they might want about Glasshouse Experience so they can just check on things.
4: For sure. They can also call me, too. I like talking to people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Is the number on the website? The number's on the website. I can also give it to you as well. Okay. 403 Mm -hmm. 462 Mm-hmm.
1: 2651. 2651. So, when you're in Prince George this time, beginning of September, is it strictly classes you're looking at this time, or do you have a couple of places that you might be going to do demonstrations?
4: No, we're just going to be doing classes. Um, although I have been thinking of a demo day for the Monday at the long weekend holiday. Okay. But you don't have anywhere so in particular? Uh, on our social media, Instagram, and Facebook platforms. And probably I'll put it up on your guys' Heliap and George
1: Facebook page. <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a plan. Yeah. Mandy Patchen with Glasshouse Experience. Have a great visit when you're up here again.
4: Thank you. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Okay. See you soon. Yeah. Okay. we got about a minute or so. Um, yeah. Weather... Be careful out there. There's, again, possibility of some uh, thunderstorms, they're saying, this afternoon. So, you know, keep your eyes open when you're out and about. Uh, Possibility of rain cooling off a little bit, which is nice. And as I've mentioned to a couple of people today, just be very glad you're not in Death Valley, California. They reached 54 degrees Celsius yesterday. All of a sudden, our 28 or 29 that we got to doesn't sound quite so bad, does it? That'll do it for today's show. I'll be back on tomorrow, after 9.
0: After 9 is a daily presentation of CFISFM. fm After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita, with guest producer Neil Godbu of the Prince George Citizen. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. This
6: is Prince George's Community station 93.1 CFIS FM.